0: Welcome to We Are DB, I am Brenton joined as always by Danielle. That's me. Thanks again for joining us this week as we count up the IMDB's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you mightn't ever have seen. This week rated as number 50 on the internet movie database by millions of film lovers from around the world is Casablanca. Released in 1942, starring Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman as the two leads, Casablanca...
1: Wait, so this was made during the war? <laughs> yeah. Oh. That changes
0: quite a lot, doesn't it? Like, this is... Yeah. This is right. the earliest World War II movie I've ever seen. I've never seen a war movie... The war
1: wasn't even over during
0: yet. ...during the war conflict that's still happening, yeah.
1: Okay, sorry to interrupt you, but that was just like, wait, 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 yeah, wait, wait, okay. Go it ahead. was
0: released very soon after it was meant to be set, yeah, so this was released in nineteen forty two um Casablanca is a romantic drama set in Casablanca, Morocco, in northern Africa, opening in December of nineteen forty one which the u s a entered the war on december seventh nineteen forty one so it was kind of a commentary on. That, I think. Which we'll get into more in a second. Mm. It is based on the play Everybody Comes to Ricks by Murray Burnett and Joan Allison from 1940. Casablanca is written for the screen by the Epstein brothers and directed by Michael Curtiz. Now, this movie was nominated for nine Academy Awards, winning three, including Best Picture and Best Director for that year. And... Even if you've never seen this movie, everyone's heard of it. This is a classic of the golden age of cinema. I had no idea it was a war movie. Me I had not not a clue what this movie was about. Like, there's a few movies, classic movies that I have never seen, but I have a general idea as to what they're about. I had no idea what this was yeah, going into so it. Yeah, it
1: opens up with a very evidently outdated map of continental Africa. Yeah, that all the the opening credits are playing over, and then it has a little written commentary about, you know, where everybody is and what the time is and everything, and we, again, we really had no idea what it was going to be about, and we're like, wait, so this is, which war is this? This is a war movie? Which war is this? When is this happening?
0: He mentions it's it's the beginning of World War Two, is what he says.
1: At the beginning of the movie, but yes. I'm talking about just before even... Right, okay. ...we have a chance to take that in. Yeah...
0: So, yeah, we're definitely not people who, like, study film or look into the meaning behind things. We're just two people who watch classics that we haven't seen before. Um, So, there's probably going to be a lot of little things where, if you do know more about this movie, you're probably going to be like, well, duh. Or, you're either going to be like, well, you're way off, because that's not what was intended. You know what I mean? Like, um, this is just us our our first impressions, so...
1: And I argue that if you do feel that way, you should comment on some of our social media channels and let us know. That's what I think you should do.
0: Yeah, if there's something blatantly obvious in this that we completely missed the brilliance of this or why it's a classic, please let us know, because this is a journey for us to learn. We've covered a lot of war movies on this podcast, and the last one I think was The Pianist, which was set in World War Two. And we mentioned on that episode how every one of these movies, we've covered Schindler's List, we've covered Life is Beautiful, Saving Private Ryan. Every one of them sort of tackles World War II from a very different perspective. I even shout out to *Inglorious Bastards, which gives a different perspective again. Casablanca is another perspective. Like, There's so many different angles to that conflict. I've never seen the Northern African side of... Casablanca and how the refugees were going there and how the people living there were dealing with Nazi-occupied French Morocco like, that's such a unique film location which I've never seen before
1: Well, it just really makes you open your eyes to the scope of what an international crisis this was like, think about it if you were living in Vietnam, you would have been affected, if you were living in China you would have been affected, if you were living in Australia, you would have been affected like The places that we tend not to think about in terms of the impact that World War II had on them, I would say are Latin America, so South America, Continental Africa, and Southeast Asia.
0: Um, was Latin America very much in the conflict?
1: I don't have a clue. And that's kind of my point, is that I didn't think Africa had very much...
0: Because I think Southeast Asia was...
1: Southeast Asia absolutely was, it's just from a Westerner's perspective, we didn't learn about it a whole lot. We focused on the European side of the conflict, not the- We did
0: here in Australia a fair bit. We had a fair few troops throughout the islands.
1: And I was going to say, that makes sense, because North American troops would have gone to Europe, Australian troops would have gone to Asia. Um, Mm. But never did it even really occur to me that there would be anybody in Africa.
0: Yeah. I mean, they trained in, like, Egypt. They sent a lot of troops there throughout both world wars. Um, But I just think this is a very unique perspective from the people living in Morocco, which is like West Africa.
1: It's like Northwest Africa. Yeah. And I'm sure that this underground route that people were taking to get out of Europe, I'm sure that actually existed. Mm. You know, underground not being physically underground. Oh,
0: okay. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, okay. No, that makes sense. Well, it wasn't that far away.
1: No, but I'm I'm just thinking, like, I'm sure people actually did get their way to Casablanca to go to Lisbon to go to America. Mm. Like, I'm sure that actually existed. Which, again, I don't think of Portugal as being very much involved, but I'm sure they were. Yeah. Just because I don't know a lot about Portugal.
0: I just wanted to say, we've said this a lot about some of the older movies that we've watched, um, but the quality of the high-definition version that we actually watched... Apart from it being black and white, it looks great. Like, Yeah. If you showed me scenes of this and told me it was Schindler's List that came out over 50 years later, I'd probably believe you because I'm like, it, yeah, okay, it looks really good. Um, And the lighting is actually amazing with what they do with it throughout conflicts and, and to try to invoke those sort of emotions depending on what you're trying to get out of the scene.
1: Would that have been a lot of original content or how much of that would do you think would have been in the remastering process?
0: I don't know. I'm not sure what is involved.
1: If I say coarse lighting, I don't know if that's a proper cinematographic term, but what I mean by that is like you shine a light, you can't you can't fake shine a light digitally. You know what I mean? I
0: think yeah. Well, sort of um I understand what you're saying when you say that because the opposite of that is soft lighting, and that's definitely a thing. So coarse lighting surely should be a thing. Um, because every time you see Ingrid Bergman's character, she's got that soft lighting. It makes her skin just look flawless. Mm.
1: Basically, I guess what I was trying to get across was the idea of like a physical lamp being used on set versus the lighting techniques that you could invoke during the mastering process. The lightening of... The film itself and things like that. Oh,
0: I, I don't think that they changed those sort of things during the mastering.
1: No, I think they just probably smoothed out the frame rate a little bit and softened and sharpened some of the images. Because it did. It looked really, really fantastic.
0: Because I think this looks better than, say, It's a Wonderful Life, which we did from 1946. Yeah. So it's a little bit older, but this is they're both movies from the 40s. Uh, and I think this one, it just held up really well. I, and particularly with the dialogue, this, we've said before, this doesn't feel like a movie from the 40s.
1: And that's interesting to note, actually, that, because when did It's a Wonderful Life come out? 1946, did you say? Yes. So, this was made during the war. The fact that it came out looking better when they probably weren't allowing much of a budget yeah. is saying something. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I'm like, not sure what it was. Any money would have been going not to making movies, you know? So that's kind of a testament as well. And again, this is another one where I sat back and I'm like, wait, that was black and white, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, you don't notice after a while.
1: I find you never do. If it's a good movie, you never notice.
0: Yeah. Um, I Yeah, so I think this was very well written. That Just because like the choice of the words that we used and the dialogue, it's very natural and compelling... Um, mm. and that's probably one of the reasons why it won Best Adapted Screenplay.
1: Are there any particular exchanges that you're thinking of specifically? I, um, maybe,
0: maybe the dialogue choices from the captain, because he made me laugh a couple of times, just the way that he... the the choice of words.
1: The French captain, Captain Renault? Yeah. Okay. He was quite an interesting character, actually. There was just a lot
0: of uh, uses of words that sounded like dialogue... From like the 80s or 90s. Um, the kind of stuff that you normally wouldn't write into a script. If that makes any sense.
1: I think so. Things that are tend to be more improvised and work out A little well bit. So it just it felt in.
0: natural. It didn't feel like a stage play.
1: He definitely felt very well cast. And like he was very comfortable with his character. Mm. I don't see why Humphrey Bogart was such a big fucking deal.
0: In terms of what?
1: Was he supposed to be this heartthrob, or was he this am- considered amazing actor? What was his shtick?
0: Well, I have an idea, and I'm going to go into spoilers here. It's a very old movie. It's a classic. I'd be surprised if you're listening to this, if you haven't seen it. So we're going into spoilers, because I want to talk about this. Um, okay. Towards the beginning, I was probably about a third of the way through, I made a note, I wrote it down, that I think Rick, Rick's an interesting character because he's very careful, and he's successful because of it, right? He's kind of a yeah. neutral character. I don't stick
1: my neck out for anybody. That's
0: what he says. He's like, I don't stick my yeah. neck out. Um, and that's why at the beginning he was always ripping documents. And think I think that was because he was trying to cover his trail. You know, he was, he was trying to cover his own ass. He would just rip up any documents that could incriminate him, I guess, or come back yeah, to bite somebody, him or cost him money.
1: Somebody gave him a check and he just ripped it up. I didn't understand that. There yeah, was there was a few
0: times that. where he was where he was sort of doing that. Um, and I so I, I saw him as kind of this powerful guy who's smart because he doesn't let anyone get to him unless he allows them to. And that's why he survived as an American in Nazi-occupied French Morocco for so long. He has his own business. He's got a lot of things going on. And towards the end of the movie... I feel like that character is meant to represent the USA in the war movements, because they were very similar. They were neutral. And then after all the conflicts, the things that happened, obviously Pearl Harbor, towards the end, that's when they entered the conflict. And he, you see him, he ends up shooting the captain, because the captain is sort of...
1: The German captain.
0: That's my point. The... He's meant to represent America fighting back against the Germans.
1: Yes. Okay. Interesting and I
0: think metaphor. In- Ingrid Bergman's character is meant to represent France. Like they had a good relationship in the past. It's been sort of thrown into this turmoil because of the conflict. And then by the end there, even though they kinda wanna still have an alliance, they can't really right now. If that makes any sense, like, I I was looking into it more as to what do these characters actually represent. Because Rick's character is in this interesting position, surrounded by a lot of refugees, a lot of people who are coming to him from different nationalities, with they're all being pulled in their own sort of political way as to why they're there, what they're, what are their motivations... And again, I could be looking into this way too much, or it could be a case of, well, duh, that's what that was intended. Uh, But this is just me just watching it. Um, Yeah, I saw him as more of a neutral, strong character in the beginning, and I feel like that's who he's meant to be in this narrative.
1: That's a very interesting analysis. That said, that didn't answer my question of why is Humphrey Bogart always been considered such hot shit?
0: I feel like it answered your question.
1: That's talking about his character, but that's not talking you about- You said
0: what was his deal?
1: In this movie, not in general. He was in a lot more movies.
0: You're talking about the actor? The actor, yeah. Okay, I've never seen a Humphrey Bogart movie before.
1: If I was referring to Rick, I would have said Rick.
0: Oh, I don't know. I always say the actors when I don't know the character's name. I don't, I've never seen a, a Bogart movie before.
1: I've just, he's hes one of those golden age actors. He, he definitely, he was a good actor. Maybe I haven't seen enough of his movies for me to realize, yeah, okay, like, he deserves all the hype that he gets. Maybe that's I actually really
0: liked Bergman in this. I thought she was a great actress. I was really taken mm. aback by even, like, the little subtleties in her performance.
1: She was always almost crying. Like, her left eye always looked like it was full of tears.
0: I feel like they were going for, like, a Disney sort of look in the sense that Disney characters have these big eyes that are unnaturally big they're always shiny and glistening to make them look beautiful, to make them look desirable like these characters that you feel more sympathy for because they look cute because they've got these big eyes and I feel like that's what they were trying to do because whenever Mm. she did have those glistening eyes there was always like a twinkle in them like they were pointing a light in her eyes Mm. maybe that's what they were going for
1: I feel like I've seen that done before in other old movies. Mm. Almost like a technique, you know?
0: Is it always women that you've seen it in? Yes. Okay.
1: She did, though. I mean, part of it was that her performance was very emotional. Um, but there are even times where I'm like, get her a tissue.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It looks like it's going to drip. Um, but no, I agree. I think she did a really... Quite a good job. And I appreciated the variety of accents that were in this, you know?
0: Well, yeah, there's meant to be a variety of different nationalities.
1: Hmm. I'm just, I'm glad that they didn't just make them all American or all British. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because
0: generally, some, some movies, they've like, if you want to see someone who's foreign or speaking in another language, they'll just give them an English accent.
1: Yeah. I mean... I think they did a lot of dressing white people up in blackface and turbans to make them Moroccan for this, but...
0: Oh, I didn't feel that.
1: There was one actor in particular who I'm like, man, I know he's white, and he don't look white right now. (laughs) So, because I've seen him before. I don't know who it was, but... Yeah. I want to talk about the plot a little bit. There were some some things that were... A bit interesting and confusing to me, and I'm just trying to recall exactly what they
0: were. There's actually not a lot that happens in this movie. A lot of the sets are sort of just the same sort of things, very small. A lot of them are set in Rick's bar. I don't know if I see much of the brilliance as to why this is a classic movie. It's just sort of a relationship drama and these small conflicts within the characters.
1: The one thing I guess that I wanted to get your opinion on was Ilsa, who is Ingrid Bergman's character, says that she is Laszlo's wife and that she was his wife before she met Rick in Paris. And yep. when he goes and talks to Rick and finds that out, you know, he comes back and says to her, I don't know why he would have said that. So that's never really clarified.
0: Wait, say that again.
1: Laszlo goes and talks to Rick. Yeah. Yeah. And Rick says something to the tune of, you know, go ask your wife why I won't give you these tickets. And he said, my wife. He said, yes, your wife. And then he, Laszlo goes back and talks to Ilsa and says, he said, ask your wife. Why would he have said that? I don't know why he would have said that. So she said she was married to him. And she wasn't. I don't she understand. Wasn't? Apparently. That's never wait, really wait. addressed.
0: I did not pick up on that. I thought that the it was accepted that they were married
1: i think it was but it was like insinuated that actually they weren't but then they didn't explore it further there was a couple of things like that i'm trying to remember what they were where i was like so we're just gonna drop that then okay um
0: oh i i don't know if if that's true then i completely missed that i thought they were married laszlo and elsa were married hmm because they said it several times over and over again. That was the relationship between these two people. Yeah. That's why they were trying to leave together. And they did end up leaving together, didn't they? Yep. Well, I don't know.
1: There was also a very interesting relationship between Captain Renault, so the French captain, and Rick.
0: He was kind of just with anyone who would benefit him.
1: Well, it's just, you know, he's Rick's got him at gunpoint. He makes a phone call to the German captain to try and, you know, blindside him. And then as soon as the German captain gets shot, he's back on Rick's side again. So he's very kind of, like, as much of a weaselly bastard that he is, making women sleep with him to give them exit visas and is stuff. Is that what was happening? Yes.
0: Because I had the idea that that's what was happening, but it wasn't entirely clear to me. Because no, that's what was happening. later on, one of the girls who was underage and he was. she was talking to Rick mm. she like she didn't seem uncomfortable around him she even thanked him and I'm thinking like if, if he made you go through some stuff she would not be acting that way
1: maybe it was just like a cinematic misrepresentation
0: mm, maybe you
1: know cause I mean at that point still nobody knew just exactly what people were going through in terms mm. of the war and, you know, as horrible as it is to have to cheat on your husband to get out of a country, I think it's still something that a lot of people would actually do. Um, and they wouldn't have thought about how brutal people could actually be. But no, that was definitely happening. All that said, I still quite like that character. He was funny. The French captain. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, if you look past the fact that he had no real morals and his alliance was with anyone that benefited him... Mm-hmm. He was kind of neutral in that sense, and he was a kind of funny character. He seemed reasonable, for the lack of a better word, I guess.
1: Mm. Well, that one scene I have really particularly liked. I'm outraged at the gambling I found happening in this institution. Here's your winning, sir. Yeah. Oh, thank you.
0: Just immediately straight (laughs) (laughs)
1: after. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting that a movie from this time doesn't end up with the man and the woman in this love romance drama ending up together. But I think it wouldn't have worked any other way. Like, it was a powerful notion because they didn't end up together. Mm. And I like that.
1: It was probably all the more romantic because of it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it was fine. I, I did enjoy it, but I don't think that I can see the full capacity of its brilliance as to why this is a great thing. It was kind of just... It was interesting watching Rick's transition from sort of this idealist character to more cynical, mm. and I do like the unique war location, like we said.
1: I really quite liked that about this because I think I think it was looking at this from a perspective that was still probably it was really Hollywood friendly because it was so exotic, you know. People wanted to go to the movies to see something they hadn't seen before, and so this is probably, it was a way of, you know, bringing messages and ideas about the war to them in a a way that was still entertaining. Um, So I thought it was pretty clever for being able to do that.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, I quite liked it.
0: I can definitely see how it can be considered a work of art in the way that it's shot and acted and the themes running through it.
1: I think there's a lot that I missed Culturally, because it was a movie made in the 40s for people who lived in the 40s. Yeah. So there was a lot of interactions. Like the interactions between pretty much all the white people and Sam, you know, would be something that was still.
0: I didn't think that they were outdated or offensive. Did you?
1: Well, Ilsa comes in and she asks Carl, who's the main waiter with the glasses, she says, Who's that boy playing the piano? And I'm like, Ooh. That's the a boy very... part. Yeah. Well,
0: I th- i I think that was just a term that they used to talk about a male, I guess.
1: Well, no, like black male. That was... Boy? Yeah.
0: Maybe I'm missing that, but I didn't think that that was bad. Okay. Because it's very similar to Rick talking to Ilsa and calling her a kid. And I don't think that that was meant to be demeaning or degrading or anything like that. I think that was just a a term that they used. It's kind of like... Mm calling you a like hey guys i don't know
1: i've just always heard that particular term is not considered very tasteful appropriate yeah when you're speaking to black men
0: okay it's, I hadn't it's heard a heard way of, that before.
1: of like kind of squishing them down with your thumb a little bit
0: oh which is surprising from that character because i thought she had a lot of respect for sam
1: yeah so i don't know if at that time it was still a term and that's what i mean like because it could have it been a, term a thing you said Yeah, at the time, even though now it's culturally got a very different connotation, Um, but I'm saying you know things like that. I feel like I missed. So there was, or just even the amount of drinking that was. Oh yeah, like I think that was very upper class forties. You go and people buy you drinks, and you get champagne, and you get this, and you get that, and people were drinking,
0: drink brandy and have cigars.
1: They were drinking pure. And very fine spirits Mm. like Cointreau and Cognac and all that kind of stuff, you know, and drinking it straight.
0: When it's fine, it's easier to drink it straight.
1: Yeah. But again, this was another example. And this has happened a few times with these older movies that we've watched. You know, we see people, everybody's dressed to the nines all the time because that's just what you did. And I'm like, man, I'd like to be rich. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'd like to go out to classy piano bars like that and drink nice cocktails and wear nice things and listen to nice music and, yeah. I feel
0: like that was more prevalent in this because everyone was always on show. Like, Rick's got to present himself that way. He was never not in a tuxedo. And the women are obviously, like, stunning because that's just what they did at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're all... When you're hanging around a nightclub like that, you have to look good, so...
1: yeah. And again, it was a really interesting contrast because you'd have very typically European-styled people mixed with, like, North African, African people yeah. and and Arabic people. <laughs> so it was just, it was a really interesting mix and I'm sure it would have been a very interesting time to be there, which is, I don't know how much that sort of cross-cultural culture mixing is shown in popular culture never mind from that time you know
0: Mm, i don't know i'm not sure more about the context of the time we have been danielle and brenton this week thanks for joining us feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts check us out on all the socials we're most active on instagram you can follow us on facebook comment on soundcloud or youtube or support us on patreon and until next week thanks for listening